Hey, it's Alan Carter. Here's what's on the podcast today. Let's all go to the airport. Why are we going to the airport? That doesn't seem like a good idea. What's going on in Brampton with the expulsion of a liberal MP, San Graywall from the Pointer, joins me with a look at what's happening there. And would Google ever just leave Canada? Why is big tech threatening countries like Canada and Australia. Let's get to it. Hi, how are you? How you doing? You know what? Let's let's all do this. Let's all go to the airport, shall we? Let's all head out to the airport. Maybe do some shopping in the concourse. You can buy some overpriced magazines. Yeah, I'll get some water. That'll be $7. Oh, fantastic. I miss going to the airport. Just the whole process of going there. Uh, I used to hate it. It would It's dehumanizing. But now, just like everything else that we can't do in the time of COVID, I want to go back to the airport. You know who's going to the airport today? The Dofo Show. Yes, Doug Ford is going to the airport. Going to Pearson. He's going to be up in about an hour's time. We'll have it here for you. He's going to be there with the Minister of Health. Why is Doug Ford going to the airport? Where where are you off to? Obvi. Obvi. He's not going poolside to St. Bart's. We've already seen what happens with that. But what he's going to be doing is he's going to be complaining. He's going to be out there and he's going to be saying to the federal government, you need to ban travel, you need to step up, you need to do a whole bunch of things because what's happening here at the airport is not acceptable. It's a big problem. And here's, I think, maybe a selection of what we might hear from Doug Ford. I'm going to come down on them like an 800-pound gorilla. If we weren't so backlogged on MRIs, I'd send you to the MRI to get your brain scanned because I just, I don't think there's anything in there. Stop acting like a bunch of buffoons. But like, guys, what? Like, man, come on. Like, what don't you get? (laughs) I take that from TikTok today from user Heidi, who has posted a uh, series of collections of the best of Doug Ford. You know, we love the best of Doug Ford here on the Alan Carter radio program. And you know how I found out about that? My 12-year-old son sent it to me. So there you go. The youth of today. They're on top of it. They're making TikToks from the Dofo Show. The best of the Dofo Show. Now available on TikTok. So what's going on really at the airport, because it is a serious issue, and we do have to pay some attention looking at it. The federal government says it is considering further limits on international travel into Canada, and that's what Doug Ford and what the DOFO show will be about today, about more stringent measures at the airport, more rapid testing, and all the things that the Ontario government says that the feds are not doing. So some of the options on the table, according to the Globe and Mail, was uh, reporting that the uh, cabinet, the federal cabinet, met late last night. Options on the table, ranging from relatively small changes, like increasing the number of people dedicated to enforcing the 14-day quarantine. You said you would stay home. You promised. To requiring all non-essential travelers to quarantine at a government-designated hotel at their own expense. Used to be 
staying at a government-designated hotel meant you were going to the big house to jail. But now, different thing. Different thing. So those are some of the options on the table. And what do we get in front of the cozy cottage from Justin Trudeau today? We're all waiting for some kind of action. Something that You've been signaling it for a while. You're considering it. What are you going to do? Justin Trudeau, go. Nothing is off the table. We will not hesitate to take even tougher measures if and when they're needed, and we'll be making an announcement in the coming days. The bad choices of a few will never be allowed to put everyone else in danger. Is he talking about Rod Phillips right there at the end? Is that just... No. Nothing is off the table, Justin Trudeau. I don't know, JT... If you know what's going on here in the province of Ontario. But for like, I don't know, for as long as I can remember, everything's been on the table. And we're a little tired of being on the table or off the table. So maybe just cut that out right now. And if more restrictions are needed, we will not hesitate to act. What? What more evidence do we need? We need some kind of action here. We have variants. Variants are raging around the world. And what's happening in Barrie and Roberta Place is an absolute tragedy. And it could have been prevented. It could have been prevented if we had been a little stronger on travel a little earlier. And here we are, all the evidence, all the experts are saying we need something right now. And I'm, I'm just taking the DOFO show at the airport complaining right out of the equation altogether. That doesn't, that doesn't sway me one way or the other. I'm just, you just look at the facts. So what do we get from Doug for, so from Justin Trudeau rather? We got nothing on, nothing is off the table, pardon me, nada. We're going to get back to you. Stay tuned. You know, he's like looking at, man, that DOFO show does great in the ratings. He does a great job of saying, you know, I'm coming back in a couple of days with something important. Tune in Tuesday, that kind of thing. You know, that the, the Dofo show move. And I think JT's picking up on that action. He's saying to himself, man, I got to drop a couple of more cliffhangers in here. So now Justin Trudeau says something is to come. So we get we get absolutely no decision. But you know what we did get today, and I'm excited about this, from the federal government, we did get a fancy new acronym. The new Highly Affected Sectors Credit Availability Program, or HASCAP. Oh, the HASCAP. Oh, okay. <laughs> Whoa, I'll just, I'll put that over here by my Serb, my HASCAP. His, who, honey, have you seen my HASCAP? So why not actually go ahead and ban all non-essential travel? Why not just do it? I mean, a lot of experts are pointing to places like New Zealand, Australia, which has done much more on travel and have been world leaders in tamping down coronavirus. Well, one of the reasons, apparently, the federal government is resisting it is it would require the Emergency Act, which the government is keen to avoid. They don't want to bring out that big hammer. Now, here is what the prime minister said to the question about why not? Why should we not ban all non-essential travel? Here is the prime minister. 
has to remember that uh, we are reliant on supply chains from around the world for food, for goods, for essential medications, uh, and we do not want measures that we have uh, bring it. Uh, we're going to be bringing in to further restrict non-essential travel to have an impact on those essential supply chains. I know what you're saying. You're saying, well, if we're designating all non-essential travel. So we say, no, none of that, uh, but we allow essential things, doesn't our, and that the quote at the end, the essential supply chain, doesn't that still allow the essential supply chain to come through while eliminating those people, Rod Phillips, uh, who are making poor choices? And I hate to bring him up. He's not the only one, obviously. And I'm sure by now you've heard this story about this couple uh, in British Columbia, the uh, now former casino head and his wife who flew up to this remote area in the Yukon and jumped the line, jumped the queue to get the vaccine, and now he's lost his job. And it's just the, the absolute disgust of Canadians. And when I saw that story yesterday, you know what I thought... Immediately, I thought to myself, like, Rod Phillips is at home going, whoo, man, yeah, I'm off the hook. I'm no longer the worst. Woo-hoo-hoo. Uh, but that's that's another story. So, but back to the travel issue. Why are we waiting? Because there is support for it. But the government says, and this is back to this whole essential, non-essential thing, is it's much like what the provincial government has done here with the stay-at-home order. It basically has said, we cannot tell you what is essential and non-essential because it's, you know, it's a movable thing and there's so many loopholes. And how do you say, well, this is essential and that's not essential, except for that, you know, there's always an exception to the rule. And so... The thinking from the government point of view, the federal government point of view, is that you can't enforce it. So it doesn't make sense. So instead, what you're going to do is put in some kind of punitive action, some kind of thing to beyond just having to prove that you've got a uh, COVID-free test, that you're, you've had a test and you're COVID-free within 72 hours of coming in. So that's coming. It's all coming. It's all, it's all down the road. Meanwhile... Meanwhile, we just go back to so what's going on on TikTok. Let's check out TikTok. What are the kids up to on TikTok? I'm going to come down on them like an 800-pound gorilla. Yeah! If you want some backlog oh. on MRIs, I'd send you to the MRI to get your brain scanned because I just yeah. don't think there's anything in there. Stop mm. acting like a bunch of buffoons. But, like, guys, what? Like, man, come on. Like, what don't you get? Yeah. Here in Canada, one of the things that we have as the nation, that we are a nation of immigrants, a nation of newcomers, that many times the politics of home come here to Canada. And some of the dynamics that are playing out in the home country also have a real impact on the diaspora. Uh, You can think of things like the Tamil protests. You may remember a number of years ago when there were protests about uh, things that were happening uh, in Sri Lanka, uh, and there were um, protests that shut down the Gardner, for example. And much more recently, we've had uh, protests uh, by mainly by Sikhs, by local Sikhs who are uh, protesting in solidarity um, with Sikhs in India who are upset over farm reforms in that country. And of course, the issue of Sikh separatism has continued to be something that has had a real impact in this 
country, and it continues to do so in what has happened in the last couple of days. Brampton Center MP Ramesh Sangha has been kicked out of the Liberal caucus for allegedly leveling unsubstantiated accusations against fellow Liberal MPs. The government whip for the Liberals, Mark Holland, said in a statement on Monday that the MP had made baseless and dangerous accusations against a number of his caucus colleagues, but Holland didn't actually specify what those accusations entailed. And a report in the Canadian press uh, points to an interview in uh, to a Punjabi language interview that uh, Sangha did last week, uh, in which he criticized Liberal MP uh, Navdeep Bains and Defence Minister Harjit Sajjan, both who, of whom, of course, are Sikhs. In that interview, uh, the MP suggested that the two cabinet ministers. Uh, support the creation of an independent Sikh homeland, and that has led to his expulsion from caucus. Now, what does that mean for Brampton, and what does it mean for politics in that area of this province? And if you want to know anything about Mississauga or Brampton, then the person to go to is San Graywall, who is journalist and founder of The Pointer. Welcome back to the program. Hi, Alan. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, let's begin with the pointer before we get into the actual issues, because uh, you cover a lot of what uh, happens in Brampton. And uh, how's that going? That, that That's an interesting venture that you've decided to go off and create a, sort of a, a niche uh, journalism outlet for those communities. Yeah, we just felt that um, it was an underserved area, all of Peel, a lot of the 905, unfortunately, doesn't get the type of coverage it deserves because everything's so Toronto-centric. The GTA media, Ontario media, even the national media, tends to be concentrated in Toronto. And therefore, you'll find that out in the 905 and even in other communities, we know that there's more and more news deserts popping up everywhere as disruption continues to impact the entire journalism industry. So we thought... Let's get in there with a unique, you know, idea, some great journalism, really serve this huge community, almost one and a half million people with some, you know, world-class journalism, as we like to think. And, yeah, it's been going really well. Um, and, you know, we just want to keep growing and moving into more markets that need journalism, important journalism. That's what we're trying to do. Uh, coming up in the program uh, later on, we're going to talk about what's happening in Australia as Australia tries to uh, regulate Google and try and, you know, this is the sort of thing that has hollowed out local journalism. So that's an interesting discussion, uh, a side Absolutely. discussion that we'll be having later on uh, in the program when we are joined by John Hines, who's the president and CEO of News Media Canada. Well, but that's a separate issue. Let's talk about what's happening in Brampton with his particular MP um, and, and being removed from caucus. This is not the first time he's spoken out uh, and run afoul uh, of his uh, colleagues in the federal caucus. H- how much of a surprise is is him being booted to, uh, to you? It's not surprising. I'm a little bit surprised about the timing. We're trying to figure out, the pointer hasn't published a story on this yet, because generally we like to be a little bit more detailed. We practice longer journalism, so we're really trying to connect a lot of the dots. And one of the things we want to figure out is, after the well-publicized trip to India in 2018, 2018 that didn't work out very well for Prime Minister Trudeau, which a whole bunch of his uh, Sikh uh, MPs and, and many of his Sikh cabinet members at that time, they, they joined him on that trip. I believe Mr. Sangha, who it's important to note, he himself is a Sikh, and he was also on that trip. But after that trip and a lot of the criticism 
about a businessman named um, Mr. Otwal, who, had, who was convicted of trying to assassinate uh, an Indian official in the 80s with, because of an issue linked to the, the Sikh independence movement. It was learned that that gentleman was invited you know, on that trip. Other issues that came up you know, around Sikh independence. After that, Mr. Sangha became somewhat outspoken, stating that it's not good politics for the Liberals and for the Prime Minister to be perceived to be tied to a Sikh cause or this specific movement. Now, but let's be clear, when Mr. Sangha was, you know, talking about this and was interviewed in the National Post in 2019, we have to be careful about what it is that, you know, we're, we're, we're addressing. I don't think anyone would argue that if it's a human rights issue, if it's an issue of, of Sikh autonomy and Sikh independence, which has been going on since the, the partition and the independence of India in 1947, when Sikhs wanted autonomy, they've never been able to win some of those constitutional protections, some of that autonomy ever since. So when politicians might speak out, like from a human rights perspective, from you know um, a cultural you know autonomy perspective, from a linguistic protection you know per- perspective, similar to what separatists in Quebec you know, often talk about. They're trying to protect protect their language, their culture. We don't refer to them as extremists. And I think that when Mr. Sangha and others start to attribute, quote, extremism to these causes, you know, militancy, violence, that is the problem. And I'm not suggesting that Mr. Sangha has done that, but I think it's very care. He has to be very careful, and others have to be very careful to make a distinction. You know, are you saying that you know you don't want them to advocate for these types of causes and that type of independence at all? You know, the types of causes that we see playing out all over the world constantly. You know, whether it's you know in the Ukraine or whether it's in Ireland or the Basque region or Quebec. So, is is your understanding that that what Mr. Stanga said is? it's up for debate as to whether he had crossed some kind of line and has done uh, as the liberals accuse him of. Where is the the quote here again from uh, from Mr. Holland that dangerous accusations against a number of his caucus colleagues? Right. So so if if the liberal part, if the whip has determined this, and obviously it's a fairly extreme measure to boot him out of the caucus, to boot him out of the party. You know, he's obviously now an independent. For them to do that, they must have felt that something he said, you know, some sort of action that he's taken was beyond the pale, that it, it crossed that line. So for them to, to, you know, make that decision suggests that they feel he made connections and suggestions you know, that, quote unquote, were dangerous. Now, the problem is a lot of what I think he has said and I think a lot of what has surrounded, particularly MP Navdeep Baines, former Minister Navdeep Baines, who stepped down from cabinet just a couple of weeks ago, the problem is that the Indian media, which it would be it would be a stretch to call it independent, but some of the large Indian media, like for example YT or sorry Z ZTV, you know, they ran an article, you know, that was making wild accusations about Mr. Baines. And accusations about his motivations for stepping right. down, which have been debunked. Yeah. Right. And these have been debunked. You know, they're they're basically labeling him as a, quote, extremist. 
So I think that when Mr. Sanga, you know, goes on a local Punjabi lang- language platform or a couple of them, uh, Boz News and I think Y Media, local Punjabi language outlets, and he, you know, starts to make some of these statements that he did, you know, in this day and age, the way that that might get um, manipulated and twisted, for example, by some of these Indian media outlets, ends up doing great damage to someone like Navdeep Baines. And, you know, I think the Liberals have made it clear, and Prime Minister Trudeau, have, they've made it clear that, look, they support human rights. You know, they support values like free speech. But when it comes to India and domestic policies, you know, they, they have mostly stated that they like to stay out of that and leave those affairs to India. I think Mr. Trudeau has stepped into it a bit. Like, for example, you know, weighing in on the farmers issue. Personally, I don't know if that's the smartest thing for a Canadian politician to be doing. You know, obviously, the Indian government, if you followed it, they did not take to that. They didn't, no, they did not care for well. that one bit. You know, and, and I sort of on a certain level, I don't blame them. You know, that's a matter that doesn't involve Canada. And, and if, if we're talking about human rights, that's one thing. But if we're talking about, you know, agricultural policy, that's something completely different. So yeah, I, we we wouldn't take it very well if it, if yeah. another country were to suggest you know our you know our milk supply chain or all those boards that we have, all the rest of all those things that don't even make any sense to us. Uh, speaking right. with Sam Graywall, who's a journalist and founder of the Pointer, how's this playing out uh, in Brampton? What does this do to the politics in the area with him now being a uh, independent MP? Well, I think a couple of things. So, number one, the liberal base in Brampton, in a lot of you know immigrant-rich you know voting areas, these large voting blocks of of South Asian Canadians, of Sikh Canadians, there's huge support for the Liberal Party. If you look at the plurality uh, in the last election in 2019, and even the prior one in 2015, um, but especially in 2019, the most recent federal election, they won. They, the Liberals occupy all 11 of the seats in Brampton and Mississauga. 11 federal seats, 11 liberal seats. Now it's 11 minus one because Sanga is obviously an independent. But And, and the margins of victory were wide. We were talking about 20, 30, 40, 50% margins that they won by. So I really don't see this affecting the liberal base in Peel, in Mississauga, in Brampton in particular. But I do think it raises questions about, you know, the liberals having to, like, determine what sort of a relationship they want with the Punjabi Canadian community, the South Asian. The South Asian Canadian community is very diverse. Like, as you mentioned before, you know, the Tamil situation or, you know, other groups that identify as South Asian Canadian. But I liken it to the Italian Canadian population in the 60s, 70s and 80s and, and how they became a little bit more sophisticated and the political parties became more sophisticated in their relationships with them. And and I think right now the Liberals have to figure out, like, you know, should Trudeau be weighing in on the farmer issue? Should Liberal politicians be? It's one thing for a Brampton resident to be focused on what's going on in India. But I think a lot of Canadians want our Canadian politicians, our representatives, to look after the issues that impact us directly. What's going on in our backyard? Look after that. Focus on that. And I think, you know, the Liberals run the risk of pandering a little bit. But certainly, you know, in my opinion, I, I think that if Mr. Sanga is, is making suggestions about Mr. Baines and perhaps Minister Sudgeon's, you know, motives regarding, you know, a Sikh independence cause, 
you know, he he too needs to be censured if he's you know stepping beyond the lines because clearly what he was suggesting that you know it was you know sort of very very uh, I have to be careful about this. I'm not suggesting that he he labeled them as extremists, but the context and the way that he was talking about it was very divisive. And if I was him, I would make a distinction and say, look. I just don't want you to hurt Indi- Indian and Canadian relationships. Indian and Canadian economic ties are a potential boon for both countries. Let's not rock the boat. Let's create a great diplomatic relationship between the two countries, and we shouldn't jeopardize that. If that's what he was trying to say, stay in your lane and stick to that point. Sam, always great to have you on. I really appreciate the perspective. Thank you so much. Sam Graywall is the journalist and founder of The Pointer, and you can find The Pointer at thepointer.com. Great talking with you. Thanks, Alan. And I should point out that uh, at this point, at my last check, uh, Brampton Center MP Ramesh Sangha had not commented, uh, had not responded to what has happened and his removal from the Liberal Caucus. How does a country like Canada deal with giant big tech country companies like Google, like Amazon, like Apple? What kind of regulation do we have within this country to push back and protect our culture, to protect things like local newspapers? When YouTube and Facebook suck up the majority of ad revenue... Suddenly, companies like this one, Chorus Entertainment, which owns Global News, find it very difficult to be able to run an operation. And we've seen what has happened. We have seen a shrinking market for local news. And when countries start to push back, well, we discover what's really happening with big tech. Ottawa is looking at legislative changes which are anticipated to be similar to what's happening in Australia in a bid to try and make tech giants like Facebook and Google actually pay for the news content. So when they post to globalnews.ca, they're going to pay for it. A link to that. And in Australia, the battle over changes has been raging and Google signaled last week that it might actually yank its search engine services from the country altogether. So Google's like, I'm taking my ball and I'm heading home. I'm taking my search engine and I'm leaving. Google's threat escalates a battle with publishers such as News Corp that is being really closely watched all around the world, especially here in Canada. The search giant had warned that its 19 million Australian users would face degraded search and YouTube experiences if the new code was enforced. Suddenly, your unboxing videos are all laggy. Australia is on course to pass laws that would make tech giants negotiate payments with local publishers and broadcasters for content included in search results or news feeds. So what does that mean for Canada? If we were to do the same sort of thing here, would that mean that Google would pick up its search engine and just head back to Silicon Valley? How does Canada respond to tech giants like that? 
John Hines is CEO of News Media Canada, which is a lobby group that represents media companies in Canada. Welcome to the program, John. Thank you. Nice to be here. How should Canada respond to actions of like what Google is doing in Australia? Well, I think Canada, I think we need our, our governments, and I think we need Canadians to uh, not stand up to bullying. I think, um, you know, I think one of, the, one of the things we've seen in this is that these are very, very large corporations that in many cases have revenues that exceed some smaller countries. And, um, you know, when, when they start to try and bully sovereign governments, I think that's a problem. But I think uh, what needs to happen is that sovereign, sovereign governments need to stand up with stand up to them, and also to work together. I think one of the things that, um, you know, I think one of the reasons that uh, the companies are being so aggressive in Australia is that they're they're worried that this is going to, you know, that it's going to move to countries like Canada, it's going to move to countries like the U.S. So, um, and I think what we're seeing is that governments around the world are starting to talk about this and, and work together to make sure that um, governments actually, at the end of the day, make decisions based on what they consider to be the benefit of their populations rather than allowing uh, U.S.-based corporations to do that. We, we have seen uh, the Americans begin to move with uh, antitrust uh, and various other things, and, tr- and, and there's a lot of people talking about the possible breakup of companies like Facebook. But meanwhile, here on this side of the border, we basically have the Competition Bureau, which is by and large toothless. So, I mean, how do we enforce anything like that? Well, the solution we're proposing is that the, the government of Canada adopt the Australian solution. It would be a very simple piece of legislation that mandates that the platforms um, have to pay for content and that they, they negotiate with publishers and broadcasters to do that. Um, the good news is it's not about raising taxes. It's not about, you know, it doesn't impact consumers. It's a really a, an agreement between the publishers and broadcasters and the, uh, and the platforms because, at the end of the day, their their business model is based. They don't produce any content. Any neither of these big companies produce any content, and their content is really all about other people. They use other people's content, and uh, I think it's accepted that they should be paying for that. And interestingly enough, um, the French government has moved quite forcefully on this. And last week, there was an agreement between the French publishers and Google, and Google is actually going to pay to license that content in France. So. Um, I think it's happening. I think it's just a matter of time before it happens here. Speaking with John Hines, who's president and CEO of News Media Canada. And John, perhaps it's worthwhile to just back up just a little bit and talk about the economics and how this works. How does Google, how does YouTube, for example, make money off of other content producers and then those content producers get nothing out of it? Right. Well, I think if you if you look at any page, you know there is there is con- they, they don't create content, but they post content from in this case from pub- from news publishers or when when search you go to you go to search to find out news and information, and that's there, and there are ads all around that search. So that's the business model, and what what we equate it to is really and, and I guess particularly appropriate for radio is that you know when when radio stations uh, play songs. Uh, and, and sell ads as part of that. Um, they they pay the uh, the composer or the the record brand holder for the use of their content. So you know it's a similar analogy here with news. Do you think that it is possible that in these negotiations for what we're seeing in Australia that you know Australia could actually see a see a downgrade in services from Google or a downgrade in services from YouTube? 
Um, I, I think it's very possible. They, they, you know, Google has said that that would be their last resort and that they would prefer to uh, have an agreement with publishers, which I think is, is probably the, the likely outcome there. Um, you know, the Australian government has basically said that they're not interested in being bullied and that they would, you know, that they feel that there are alternatives out there to Google. Um, should Google decide that search, they don't want to do search in Australia. But it, it would be very difficult, I think, for, you know, and particularly if this extended beyond Australia to, you know, to Canada, the US, UK, and the EU countries. Um, at a certain point, um, you know, it would impact the bottom line of the, of the big corporations if they boycotted every country that, that enacted the law. Right now, I'm seeing a business opportunity in developing a homegrown search engine in Canada. Well, you know, and I think that's one of the, the, the great things about the, about the tech world is that, um, you know, it is a very fast-moving world and that there are alternatives. I mean, there are even alternatives to search right now um, that can be used. And uh, certainly uh, we've noticed it, that uh, the competitors are certainly stepping up in Australia. John, great to talk to you. It's a, an important issue, and we've got to keep an eye on what's happening in Australia. John Hines is president and CEO of News Media Canada. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Bye-bye. And News Media Canada is a lobby group that represents media companies and newspapers right across this country. Coming up, not too long, it's the DOFO Show. Doug Ford will be at the airport today, and that really is the issue of the day, is whether or not, or we know, for example, that the federal government will not be imposing a ban on all non-essential travel, which has been called for from the Quebec premiers, asked for it. Uh, Doug Ford sort of asked for it yesterday. I think he's going to ask for it stronger today, and he's going to talk about uh, more rapid testing deployment uh, at the airport. Uh, you know, it is pretty clear that travel is a problem, has been a problem. We should have acted sooner. I don't know why you haven't acted now. I, I don't know why we're waiting. I, I think we can debate whether or not a complete ban on non-essential travel. I, I heard the calls in Kelly's show in, in the last hour about people saying, absolutely, we must, we must do this, uh, all non-essential. But I, I really does kind of come back to then, well, you know, how do you determine what is essential and what is supply chain? And, you know, everybody's essential at the end of the day. And I, I don't know if that's going to solve it. Uh, you know, maybe this imposition of you got to go to the hotel and pay the government for 14 days uh, when you come back, if you've decided, well, I just absolutely must go to St. Bart's to the swim-up bar, then that's what you're going to have to do. <clears throat> it, it, it's difficult to know, but here's here's what I'm wondering about. Doug Ford is at the airport today, and his announcement is going to be all based on he's going to state over and over again, you know, this is not a criticism of the prime minister, and then they're following that will be a criticism of the Prime Minister. You know that old bit, like anything that comes before the butt is meaningless? Listen, babe, you're fantastic. Everything about you I just adore, but everything preceding the butt is worthless. And so <laughs> this is what you're going to get from Doug Ford today. He's going to come out there. He's going to say, listen, the Prime Minister is fantastic. He is a snappy dresser. He's doing great work, but and on we go. And, and you gotta, you got to ask yourself, is this where the focus of the Ontario government should be? Or does this kind of have, just kind of have a whiff of whataboutism to it? A little bit of three-card Monty? 
a little look over here, not look over here. Don't ask about asymptomatic testing in school. You know, don't ask about sick days. Don't ask that. Don't please don't ask about that. That's a federal responsibility. By the way, Pearson Airport. Oh, have you have you seen the prices here? The Timmies they jacked up the price for the double doubles. Unbelievable. That's the podcast for today. Don't forget the Alan Carter Show weekdays starting at noon.